Welcome to GERT, conversations about architecture, entrepreneurship and life. We are proud to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land, to recognise their ongoing connection to country, land and waters that were never ceded, and to pay our respect to Elders, past and present. Your hosts are Monique Woodward, Director of Wawawa Architecture, mother to Cleo, recording on Wurundjeri Country in Melbourne, and Nick Brunson, Principal and Creative Director of Nick Brunson, father to Bo and Minnie, who's in Perth recording on Wajuk Nunga Buja. Mon and Nick are celebrated industry thought leaders. Both have won the Australian Institute of Architects National Emerging Architect Prize and are Dulux Study Tour Prize winners. They bring candour and vulnerability to conversations about creativity and personal expansion. Please enjoy. Have you ever thought about making you a project? This is the question you're happily confronted with when you open up Joe's website. J-O dash hook. It's elegant and clear that Joe can help you and you really need her in your life. Uh, Joe offers one-on-one sessions, small business mentoring and coaching, career clarity, leadership coaching, life planning, or training for teams in advanced communication skills, leadership training for teams, problem-solving workshops, developing the thinking strategies of success, and embracing change. So literally all the things. (laughs) And full confession, uh, (laughs) I have been a client of Joe's, um, both personally and also for business workshops. Um, she's helped me and many other key clients. Um, and now she's here to give our GERT audience some tips on how to thrive in this moment. So welcome, Joe. Thank you. Nice to be here. Oh, what an intro. intro. I'm sorry, sorry, Nick. It, it reads very boringly. <laughs> I think put simply, I like to say I help people design their lives better. <laughs> yeah, that's probably yeah, that's a sexier that's a sexier intro, right? <laughs> but it is yeah. all no, it is self. all the same. Yeah. No, but it yeah, is what, what uh, I read, it is what, all what the I read out sounds sounded a bit corporate. It sounded a bit like Yeah, my, my the, the list sounds a bit like kind of Australian Institute of Management when I'm sure it's uh, much more than that. <laughs> and that's definitely yeah. my fault cuz I just put the intro together. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Joe's amazing basically is all anyone needs to know. Oh, good. There we finish now. <laughs> but um, yeah, so tell us how you got into that space. Tell us how you we should We should maybe dig into that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I got into the space that I'm in now um, probably 30 years ago when my daughter was born. So I was in the rag trade and, um, and had my own label and four shops and 25 staff and was doing the whole living the dream thing. Um but when I fell pregnant with my daughter, I realised I couldn't keep all of that and be the kind of mum that I wanted to be. So I made some pretty big decisions um, to redesign my own life uh, to have the sort of balance or the sort of, um, yeah, the sort of things I wanted in it as well as, you know, being a first-time mum and giving myself that freedom. Um, so I sort of think of myself as going from a clothing designer to a life designer but it, but it took 50 million iterations before it became so streamlined. And so, yeah, I, apart from wanting to change my career, I also um, failed in the business that I was in because that at, around the time that my daughter was born was the time we had the recession that we had to have. So it was pretty similar to now. There was a, a except interest rates were 17.5%, so I lost my house. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, learned lots of lessons about um, business and partnership and all sorts of things then, but um, was lucky enough to be able to say, okay, I've, I've got to make a change anyway because of what was happening uh, having Hannah. So, yeah, I think it was I just started off by um, looking at what my skills were and how I could translate them into a different sort of career path and having designed but also manufactured and worked with, you know, like I used to work with 11 factories that didn't have English as their first language. How do you start then if you're just like, you know, you've gone (laughs) from something where you've made a name and you've kind of got this position in a market and then you go, actually, I don't Mm. want to do that anymore. I'm doing something else. How do you like get your first client? How do you like, you know, put yourself out there? How do you, how do you get it going? Um, Well, the first thing I did was just looked at what do I know that other people don't know and, because I was still connected with the rag trade and still sort of 
um, you know, a lot of my friends, like in your industry, all of my friends were still in the fashion industry. So just talking to um, actually it was one girlfriend who just said, oh, my staff never do, like why don't why, they drive me crazy? Why don't they ever do what I want them to do? And, um, and I said, well, how do they know what you want them to do? Like do they have position descriptions and all that? And have you got systems written and all that? Because I was very pretty tight with systems and processes because I had to be working with factories that didn't speak English. So that the precision that you have as a manufacturer, I realised, actually translates. And because my girlfriend was an agent, not a manufacturer, she didn't have that sort of insight. So I said, oh, okay, so, you know, have you got everything written down? No, no, they should just know. So that's the classic, you know, like, but they, they just, why don't they know, you know, what they're meant to be doing? Like I employed them as a salesperson. I employed them as an agent. And so... I decided that I'd help people that I already knew in the rag trade um, get themselves organised and document their systems <clears throat> and start running manuals and, and training their teams. And so it was, yeah, it was sort of by default. And because I had a very low expectation of like I just needed to survive at that time, getting out of the rag trade, having lost everything, I didn't really have the option <laughs> to um, you know, set my sights at that at that time, I hadn't set my sights really high because I was only I only ever wanted to work around my daughter at that time. So well, can I, I ask a can I ask a really like well two questions? One is that what you're describing sounds like it's you're like a business coach that was like kind of business you know coming in and helping yeah. out with sort of structures and systems and you know all that sort of stuff. So then, how does it then become life design? As in, you know, you've gone from basically kind of like business coaching to you're positioning yourself as this thing called life design. And the second question is, what is life design? Well, I sort of realised that um, most of the problems that were being experienced by the people that I knew, uh, they were the main problem. So <laughs> even, even though, um, you know, it came down to they didn't document systems or, or they weren't clear in their communication or they'd never had any training as a business person, um, they were the reason things were going pear-shaped. And so I, I decided I, because of that, and I've always had an interest in how people tick, they're the kinds of books I've always read and, um, and I'd also at that time was doing lots and lots of personal and professional development in like doing courses about who you really are and what's your purpose and all that stuff. So like concurrently um, these, two, these two things collided. And um, so I, I sort of oh, I went and, and trained in counselling. So I thought, oh, maybe I maybe I want to do it, be a counsellor because actually it's people that need the help. And all the other stuff was pretty second nature to me. But what really intrigued me was the counselling bit and how I could help. And maybe I should do psychology. And I was sort of thinking, well, what will I do next um, in a more formal way? And I trained in counselling and decided I didn't want to be a counsellor, but was really, really interested in how people tick and how to actually support people to change. So it basically progressed by me business consulting with lots of people. Um, so on the basis of, of like pretty straight needs in terms of their business. But then because I always open up the conversation to, but how does that affect your life? So I've always taken a whole of life approach because that's how I got into this business. It feels um, a little bit like the kind of the thin edge of the wedge, like you come in through the front door you know, yeah. under the auspices of business coaching and then you're like, okay, now we're here, let's sort you out. Like, you know, because yeah, you know, it- if, if you came up too to front, to, it was too upfront with the kind of like, you know, you are the problem, no one would hire you. But, you know, <laughs> if, but by coming in through the kind of the, well, you know, some people would specifically, but the people that actually need the help and the place where you need the most nudging is, you know, people see it through the kind of the engine of business and then, you yeah. know, personal change can happen through that. And I, yeah. but I think, um, you know, it's funny, Nick, because yeah, I feel like when I, um, <clears throat> first met Joe, yeah, we, we met under the guise of it being this like business training. And then all of a sudden it was very, like, very Hang clear. On a second. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Joe's like, let's just, let's just talk about you for a second. And, um, yeah. So I think yeah. that the, you know, as entrepreneurs, you are always, um, you know, one is the same as the other, like you are, um, you know, you're, you're as healthy, your business is as healthy as you are in a way, I guess. And um, Well, and they're kind of the same thing. It's like the the beliefs and dreams and, you know, like stories you have in your head play themselves out in your business. If you think you're not good with money, you won't be good with money. If you think Yeah, what are your upper limits you know, as a person? It, <clears throat> and, yeah, yeah. And it's the, sort of it's the separation between this, 
you know, um, what, you know, business which you think is quite cold, hard and rational, but is actually one of the most emotional things you'll ever do and ever go through, you know, to actually understand the emotional side of things is so enlightening and important. Mm. And I think that um, like one of the books that informed me really um, in a big way was reading The E-Myth and that was probably written yeah, in the 70s. Good. Yeah, Yeah, and it that. became, it, and because it, it actually covers off what I believe in, that your business is not your life, your business yep. is meant to give you, you know, be a vehicle through which you design and create working, a life. Working, working smart, not hard. Yeah. And working on the business as well as in the business. business. Yeah. Yeah. And so really that it gives you that zoom out capacity um, Mm. to look at your business and and yourself and to design something that actually feeds you and and, um, helps you to thrive rather than just saps you. And to be honest, most of my experience with small businesses, most of them are sapped sap dry you yeah. know that original spark that um of creativity and and the risk taker that jumped you know from jump ship from a, a paid gig a paid job um is often worn thin by the time i meet with them and that's you know like you said i come through different doors like it could be a financial crisis or it could be a team or hr or partnerships or lots of different things um, so you're only you know, you're only coming to business in crises are you <laughs> Not necessarily, but 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 often that's when yeah, people, know. you know, it's, a, it's, you know, a, it's the same same time that you know you go to a psychologist for the first time or you know a therapist yeah. or whatever. I remember one yeah. of my psychs once saying that you know the first time I see someone, it's almost ten years too late. Yeah, yeah. Although that's the lovely thing, people are a lot more open to psychs and to seeking mm. help now. So you know, in the last ten years, there's been a huge change, and that's pretty much when I I started being. Like I've always been referred, so I've never had to really develop my business, which is absolutely lucky. Mm. And and so the referrals have been thick and fast in the last 10, 15 years. But it's years not lucky though, design. is it? <laughs> well, well, I suppose, yeah, like, like there is a lot of luck, like in timing, like oh, I was pretty unlucky to lose my business in a recession. Mm. You know, it's like there's a lot of unlucky people at the moment, like my may have just launched a hospitality business at the beginning of the pandemic. So yeah. there are things that happen to us that are outside of us. I've always been a believer that I'm, I can create my own luck. And yeah. there are also things that happen outside of us, you know, that, yeah. that we then have to adapt to or respond to. So, yeah, that, that um, I was, I've been really blessed to be, referred into architecture and um design and yeah that was, that was camera there. yeah i was yeah. taking a screen grab and it just made <laughs> this really obscene yeah. obscene sound but um but joe camera noise. <laughs> oh, no, um but i joe i was just wanting uh you to talk about how you actually got into the architecture space because i think the interesting thing is that when i was referred to you you had already been seen you'd seen like 10 of my friends and it just seemed sort of strange I almost felt a bit of FOMO that I hadn't already seen you because everyone (laughs) else that was cool had so um yeah maybe talk about how you sort of entered that that archie space really interesting one of one of my very early clients so we're talking 25 plus years ago was Hal Cutting who ran a business then called Built Image and he was an architect um, and uh, now I think he's qualified as the town planner, but then he was a master planner. And so he, he after the rag trade, I just started to get like friends of friends. And so through that, I, I picked up some consulting engineers. I don't know anything about consulting engineering, but found it really interesting. But the principles of life, of building a life and also addressing your business issues doesn't, isn't industry dependent. So so they had then referred me to Hal. Hal. Funnily, I now work with Hal's son, who's a, a really talented um, graphic designer and visual communicator who's in New York. But that he was my first architecture client. Now, I think he may have referred me on to a few other architects, but it wasn't, it was actually through Tin and Ed, so Ed Cutting, um, that's when I was referred into this generation of architects. So it's really, really weird how something that happened 25 years ago triggered uh, a tsunami of referrals in the last 10 years, 10, 15 years into architecture. And um, because uh, Ed, Tin and Ed were friends with Adele from Fool's Cap, 
Um, so yeah, well, they and, did our business uh, card. They did our. Uh, I love doing it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I just I just spoke to Adele thirty minutes ago. Yeah, so so like early days. Yeah, I worked with Adele very early. Gave her the great intro to, into the um, the A Myth, and you know, hopefully, and hopefully, we did some great work that's having great paying some great dividends. But um, it's that it was just through word of mouth. So Adele and like Adele's been a very generous ref- referee. Um, I've worked with interior architects, so um, Pip from Studio Wonder. Uh, Studio Wonder and then got to meet Amy Muir and so it's it's like 15,000 degrees of separation that all like collide and create this beautiful yeah this beautiful connection of collection of dots that um in an industry that I get that got submerged into. That's the ripples of a career though isn't it you know that when you kind of you're doing something you're doing it well and sort of out of a place of joy and giving and gratitude that it all kind of like, you know, starts to kind of exponentially build on itself and things start happening that, you know, you can't sort of quite control. Like, you know, that's in terms of, you know, I'm speaking to you yeah. as a sort of you know, a business and a life coach, but the business thing, you know, it's always about marketing and trying to pick your thing and do this. But like after a while, it just gets a life of its own and it just, you know, runs where it needs to run. Yeah. And I think the great thing is when it gets <clears> a life of its own and you've been doing it for long enough, it's sort of like you get permission to be who you really want to be, mm-hmm. and not and and not have to do the corporate. Um, for the note to self, I will change my website listings. Um, <laughs> not have to do do all the things that mm. you once had to do to earn the right to you know do business. I, as I said, I've had nonstop referrals, so it's been really good. But I do know um, from my training in NLP that it's really important to tick all the boxes for a different, like for a wide variety of people. And some people need to see, oh, what do you actually do? Like You what, might need to describe what, you, what NLP is. Okay. So, um, and uh, if anybody up looks Nick, it up. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds official. If, if they look, if they look it, it up. Non-linguistic they'll, they'll programming, see. right? Yeah, it's a neuro-linguistic pro- oh, neuro-ling- programming yeah. and if somebody looks it up um, in Wikipedia, they'll say it's a, it's a, what's a, a pseudoscience. So yeah, a it gets a really bad rap sometimes mm. and then people who've had, had any experience of it are, <clears throat> you know, big fans. But um, it's basically the, studying, the study of, of how we think and communicate and what our thinking strategies are and our communication strategies and how they create a reality. And so for me, it was great because it, it, in 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 retrospect, it actually helped me understand why I had had a lot of success, because a lot of the skills are things that I knew naturally. The great thing was it added to those skills in, in really significant ways. So you know, as in, as an example, my daughter and husband are very different communication styles to me, and learning that actually just helped with. Um, any conflict in the house because because I actually realised we don't talk the same language and yeah. um, we don't think in the same way and so it was very helpful. So, yeah, so putting your like website lo- like together. like kind of love languages is a little sort of offshoot of that. Yeah. Um, and I was yeah, just I was thinking, about do you know, to say do you love know language. also like a bit of, um, do you know any Joe Dispenza work? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, so, I think just be listening to all that about the kind of your personality creates your personal reality. So the way you see, yeah. see and think and filter the world lets you, well, shows you what you think is possible and that's actually kind of like such a filtered lens, you know, about the way yeah. that, you know, you take information in and then put it back out. So NLP is about, and Jody Spencer, I'm not sure if he has NLP in his toolkit, but um, it's definitely aligned. It, yeah. it helps you to expand on your range. So, like, instead mm. of saying, oh, this is who I am and this is my identity, um, it, it allows you to say, okay, my default, my default style of thinking, my default style of communicating is this. And if I want to build rapport and have influence with more people, like a greater variety of people, I need to expand my range. And so there's great um, skills and strategies for expanding your range. And yeah. it's great and, for, and re- for, Sorry. Go on. Sorry, Joe. Oh, I just remember being told once about as well like, personality classifications you know that we're so used to kind of like thinking seeing ourselves get classified and being put in a box mm. but what it actually is is it's like a it's like a default position it's like being right or left-handed it's like if I throw yeah. you a ball you'll become like if you're say Myers-Briggs like I'm INTP it's like you know yes I'm like I'm 
default position, I'm introverted, but I can easily be extroverted. It's just, you know, it's like using yeah. my left hand for something. It's not like that's you and that's all you are. It's just a sort of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a training. starting point. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and that's a really great point because I was always <clears> loathe to, um, like you do a DISC or a Maya Briggs and you go, oh, this is, this is who you are. And, and mm. I have um, similar sort of assessments for NLP. But I always say to people, this is how you showed up to this set of questions in that moment of time. They're yeah. limited. It's not who you are. It's a starting point. It's just going to give us some language to start referencing when we, when we do the work to expand your range. Because it's sort of like saying you aren't your biases, you are not your beliefs, you are not your career, you're a whole heap of, whole gaggle of other things that are, are fun to actually dive in and explore. Can I, can I take it to the dark side now? Can I, like when, um, yeah. <laughs> when, when these things show up poorly or badly, you know, as in, in, a, in a business owner or someone inside a business that is, you know, I guess, as you said, either stuck or, you know, exhibiting traits that are maybe... I don't know how you'd classify it. Like what actually happens? Like what do you, you know, like what, what are the kind of the bad outcomes for when, you know, the sort of, as you said, the, the, the intricate, the link between the personal and the business, you know, is actually so strong. Like what happens when that goes wrong? Yeah, great question. Well, as an example, look, some things like uh, partnerships can go uh, astray um, and sometimes I'm called in, like, you know, to have that sort of mediation conversation. And what I'll realise is they have different styles um, and or they may not have <coughs> sussed out a simple partnership agreement, you know, at the beginning of the partnership. So they didn't do the system. Like they didn't you know, stick to do their due diligence but also would, were um, went into partnership either on a whim or through trust or friendship or, you know, just didn't, didn't ask enough questions. So... It can be really helpful just to um, flesh that out, admit it, like actually name that's what's here, what's happening here, that you actually have very different styles. One person may be a very big chunk thinker one, and might be a small chunk thinker. So somebody's in the details, somebody's in the vision, um, and they didn't acknowledge that at the beginning. So therefore their processes aren't aligned. Um, the way they lead people may not be aligned. So it can be helpful in like, to retrospectively refit the business with some good systems and and to get clear on like what are the high values of the business and how do we want to communicate like we need to honor all styles not just one style um so I'm not sure if that helps that conversation what you ask but it's really um a, a good opportunity if things go wrong it's a good opportunity to look at why and then NLP is one lens that I use um, through which I implement change and, and help people sort of correct on what's been happening or, or work out a better way, basically. Yeah, and I think, I think, I think that's, a good, that's a good answer. I think the question I was, I was kind of asking was, you know, thinking about people listening to this, that, you know, that what like might be a trigger that might start to get them to think about or, you know, get anybody to think about you know, that connection between the personal and the business outcome, that actually what I bring to the business day to day is me and my personality and how I see the world and how I see things. And then the outcome of the business is a direct kind of through line from that. And that, you know, that obviously the best case scenario is that everything's like aligned and, you know, in its natural state and doing the best it can. But when things are misaligned, as you said, things can go like partnership agreements or I don't know whatever like you know missing business opportunities or not actually having your eye open for opportunity or whatever you know other sort of things it can be I'm just kind of at that as someone who's gone through this and has been doing it for however long you must have seen almost everything so you know like I don't know whether I'm just sort of attracted to the but I think it's also that really (laughs) yeah you just want some juicy sound bait like (laughs) but I I mean I think that um something that's interesting is that um I think, Joe, your skill is in bringing, just bringing things forward and naming what people already know to be true. It's just that they've denied because it's too hard to deal with or it's inconvenient, you know, that they've pushed down a truth that's sort of really <clears throat> screaming to be unearthed or unpacked and that actually by naming things and tabling um, and having hard conversations, it actually allows, you know, the truth. I I heard this quote the other day um, that I really liked around there's no one-way liberation, that actually once 
truth is called forward, it's actually um, good for all parties because then no one's living in denial anymore. And, you know, I think that that can be good for both, um, you know, workplace relationships, but also for, I guess, within a client context as well. Yeah, definitely. And and I suppose that speaks to, I have lots of conversations with founders and especially female founders. And one of the conversations I always have is kids and money. <laughs> two of the conversations, but kids are definitely, you know, because often people get so um, busy with the building a business or busy with business or career that they, they're not thinking about where are they on the life plan. And so that, that can be, I just totally remember Joe, (laughs) that actually we were saying my, I referred one of my friends to you and I always joked that I got pregnant the month (laughs) after we had our conversation (laughs) and so did my friend. And I was like, Oh my God, we need to put a disclaimer (laughs) on this podcast because I don't want all these pregnant creatives. Yeah. (laughs) No, but it's, I mean, it only, I was talking about that because it's one of the conversations people don't have and it's one of those, um, like I have tough conversations because I will put kids on the table. Don't really, it's not not a, a preference of mine that people should have kids or not have kids. It's just that I know from lots of years of working with women that often they haven't put kids in their conversation Um or, or a partner even, because they're so busy building their careers. And and with women, there's a where, time where, span. Where are men in, in these conversations? I, I If I'm working with a woman, um, yeah. I definitely say this is a conversation that you need to have. So if there is a man in that person's life this is a, or a partner where they're thinking that, that maybe, um, maybe I want to have kids and I'll say when, you know, between now and 45 when, mm. um, so that they so that, that that tough conversation is had and so that is a great example of um a tough conversation money's also one of the conversations that i always have you know let's talk about money and what's your relationship to money what are your beliefs around money what's your financial health like what's your financial literacy like um because i learned the hard way i lost my house and from that moment, I want, never wanted to have that happen to me or anybody else again. That's not something I would wish on anybody, um, losing a whole lifestyle, so a, a, a different career and having to, like, start again financially. So it's a really important thing to, like, just find out what your beliefs are around money and how are they impacting the business that you're creating and your fee structure and, you know, because beliefs are going to, your beliefs are going to feed into how successful financially successful you become how you negotiate uh, what you think somebody else is worth you know in on in your team if you have staff so all those things are really they're I don't know they're tough conversations but they're actually the main conversations (laughs) they're the big conversation that's what life's all about financial freedom definitely gives you a lot more choice in all areas of life so that yeah that was a tough conversation with it (laughs) That was a very tough conversation, but um, but fruitful. And <laughs> now I have yeah, clear. Exactly. Like. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And um, and you've been working on a legacy project. Yeah, I have for that very reason because um, at some point I'm not going to be here, and it, my daughter has become a mum. And when she did, um, I was looking through lots of. Um, paraphernalia from my mum and one of the things my mum passed away one of the things was a a grandma book that my daughter had given my mum and she'd never filled it out and I thought oh the least I can do is fill out the grandma book for my daughter so that you know she's got that sort of as a legacy thing and when I read it I I thought oh I can't fit all of these answers into this book as, as is obvious, I've got a lot to say. So I, um, I started just typing up the grandma book and then I thought actually I, I want to do something that's more me because grandma book sort of had very, was very grandma-ish and I don't particularly, and that's why my mum hadn't filled it out. I don't want to be the straight grandma. So I thought I'm going to. I can't ever um, imagine you as the straight grandma with those <laughs> incredible glasses, Joe. <laughs> You're like the most fashionable person I know. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks. And my, my granddaughter wants to pull them off every time I'm with her. She's like, these are fascinating. She also wants mm-hmm. to play with them. But um, so I thought I'd put together like um, a, 
a collection of all of my go-to life design exercises, the things that I use with every client and the things that I will continue to use, but also they're the things that I use in my own life to design my own life. Um, and so it's called Serious Life Play because it's a, it's a collection of um, some of the harder questions but also some fun things like, you know, where did you come from and what was your playlist when you were a kid and, and, and a teenager and what's your current playlist and what does that tell you about you um so yes that's what I'm in the process of designing and um hitting press play button with um meaning producing it now um with the hope that if people can't work with me because I'm my diary is filling very fast especially through um I probably a more intense need in the last year or two of people wanting to reassess their lives and their businesses. Um, so if they can't work with me, at least I can say, well, you can get started. This is something that, you know, these are a set of six exercises that I highly recommend um, if you're wanting to create some change in your life. I mean, not everyone can invite you to chat on a podcast, right? <laughs> That's the only way that we got time to get <clears> there. <throat> no. <laughs> Just kidding. No, Joe's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> made time for our, know, for our some, workshop. For, some, for someone who seems so busy, you also uh, seem very calm and present and I'm just looking at you going like, this is what I need to be. Like I've got a very full diary <laughs> and I'm like in meetings kind of like thinking about what's coming next but like you're here you with us, like, oh, you, you could, like, from my point of view, you could be off to the park for a picnic, you know, straight after this because you just seem completely <laughs> chilled and in the zone and, like, amazing and that's, like, obviously part of the way that you've cultivated yourself and the way that you come bring yourself to meetings but also probably part of the overall picture of, you know, the, your business and the life you've designed. Thank you. That's a really nice thing to say. And the, the best thing that ever happened was because I had to design the business around being a mum, I set up a three-day week 30 years ago and and don't waver from it. So today's actually one of my non, non-client days and it's really nice to be able to put these sorts of conversations into like a day that's got a lot of space. I call it fat space. It was, um, it was I thought, oh, this is neat because, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared. Tomorrow I'm going to be talking to, I think, 25 people who are frontline workers mm-hmm. um, and talking about how to take care of yourself when, when mm. you know, you're working with very stressed people. And so that's going to, it'll probably be a slightly different, you know, feeling, but I just think it's nice to have the time to have these sorts of conversations. I set that as one of my themes for this year and last year. I just want to have great conversations with really nice nice people. And, um, and whenever I write little post-it note, notes to myself like, Make sure have great conversations with really good people. I get these really lovely invitations. So yeah, I feel really <laughs> lucky Mon, Mon, that you contacted me. Well, well and I think that's what exactly this what podcast yeah. is. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that we really we were passionate about you know this podcast being essentially about design thinking and for communicating how sort of architecture <clears throat> was at the center of all things, but actually life was as well in entrepreneurship and that, um, you know, I think if anything, this pandemic has shown us that actually, you know, you can't ignore the life part, that it'll, it'll, it'll come in and actually, you know, this sort of um, human humanising of, um, you know, there's something so funny about someone's shitty Zoom background, right? Like, you, you know, you have these big consultant <laughs> meetings and everyone that was so serious and you may, you may have been intimidated by them before, but actually their ridiculous, like ridiculously messy bookshelf is just sort of giving them away. And I think, um, you know, it's just this nice, I think, grounding and reminder that we're all human. And so I think that's the genesis of this podcast, right? You had a much more architecture focus than I did, Mon. I, I couldn't care less. I just want to speak to interesting people. <laughs> I find it's really interesting that um, architecture and design are pretty much a part of every aspect of life. Yeah. And so you can't escape it. You know, um, the built environment affects our way of thinking and our way of being. So, you know, I'm really interested in, 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 so, in so many ways. But I think there's a lot of people that just don't, aren't aware of how much their environment is shaping them, whether mm. it's built or emotionally environment. So, yeah, I think that 
everybody's an architect. Everybody's designing and creating life. Some are better than others. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully if we can equip people with better skills, they'll be designing and creating a better life. And you, you guys can continue to design and create better built environments and spaces as well. Well, that, yeah, because uh, what you just said about emotional environments, that's uh, that you could go really deep there. That's huge. Creating, yeah, phys- creating, yeah. <laughs> creating physical environments and emotional environments. That's um, yeah, that's big. Do you want to, do you want to say yeah. anything more about that? Well, that's where I work. Like that's yeah. the space I work. You know, and that's the kind of architecture I'm working with. There's mm. a really great um, definition of NLP is the architecture of subjective reality, which is sort of yeah. a really nice way of you know thinking about how people think is creating their thinking environment and their emotional environment and their physical environment so um that's and you always need you always me. need someone outside of yourself to help you with that because it's just impossible to do it yourself yeah and when you said before oh you you sort of walk in uh, you know in a different way into different with a different client it's the same I would imagine for you you know you may walk in with somebody thinking that the brief is something and then when you have that big bigger conversation and actually ask them to expand into their, how this built environment or whatever environment will fit into their whole life and how it impl- impacts their life, you have those deeper conversations and you open other doorways for them too. So it's very similar for me. You walk in one door and you end up building <laughs> building a much bigger house um, and, and stepping into all of the rooms, even though it may mm. have originally been a bathroom reno. We go, you know, we yeah. go for a walk into all of the rooms of their internal house. Yeah, I was just just thinking this morning. It's a, a little bit tangential, but just like the power of words and titles as well. That like just kind of in terms of that creation of the emotional you know architecture and the way you bring yourself to different conversations and meetings and all those things. Like I've just in our practice, we've just recently changed my title from director to uh, principal and creative director. And now that I'm not now that oh, there's another director and I'm now the principal and the creative director, I've kind mm. of like found found myself dressing differently and having different yeah. conversations and <laughs> acting differently and all that's changed fundamentally is two words on my um on my email what what are you wearing now nick <laughs> i'm i'm kind of uh, less blazers and more oh, am i still here you got me yeah we're good yeah, yeah okay, you're sorry, breaking Joe, up a bit, that. yeah. What am I wearing now? You can see we're all wearing round neck black T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was like, yeah, so you're going for more of that kind of like uh, startup, you know, mm. startup vibe, right? Like uh, yeah, there's yeah, just beanbags everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's there's parts of my wardrobe I'm just not touching anymore because I'm like, no, no, I'm the creative director now. You know, I'm not just the director of everything where I have to be kind of more ubiquitously presentable. Now I have to be like presentable as a creative and so I'm kind of like leaning. Yeah, I, don't yeah, know, yeah. I just found that that's like the way I'm thinking and the way I'm kind of doing things is like now, now that just literally all that's happened is just a word on my email signal or in the organizational chart has changed. I'm like, I like the whole way that I am presenting to the world and thinking about the world has shifted, yeah. nudged slightly. And it shifted your wardrobe as well. That I love. That's I what love, I'm saying. Yeah. Like I mean, how, the, how powerful a word is. Powerful words, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and and what intrigues me about people is how we use words internally to stop ourselves from yeah. doing things and or to motivate ourselves to do things, and so that and that's where I love playing when I'm listening to people. I'm listening to all of what they're saying, including their mannerisms, subtle nuances like inflections, um, change in tone and pitch, to to help decipher what's really important to that person and how they're using language to design their lives. Um, and that, uh, it just blows me away how much information, you know, a word, <laughs> a word that's chosen um, can tell me how much mm. one word, how much it conveys. And so, yeah, that's, that's what gives me so much pleasure and and joy to help people understand how their internal language and the words that they choose to put on their emails and you know or on their websites how much um fun you can have with the choice of those words and how intentional yeah and it i don't do it anywhere near enough but every time i do it it's just the most powerful thing like i remember 
I remember in year 12, like as a, as a high school student, like writing on the inside of my wardrobe, like three goals that seemed completely like yeah. way out there that like, you know, were just, you know, at the start when I wrote them just seemed like completely fanciful and all three of them yeah. came true like that year. Do you like, know that's the same for with... me? That exact same thing. <laughs> really? Like, Did oh, you? That is yeah. crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. And like what, one was just like, yeah, get a 50. I was like, yeah, no worries. Like how hard's that? Like, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's so powerful. And I think, I mean, I feel like we both, you know, Nick and I are so similar <laughs> in that way. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, what um, are there some, like, key, you know, words that you think architects need to get more curious around, Joe? Like, do you think that there's some key um, key things that you think that are similar that we all suffer from or something? Wow. Um that's a big, it was a very, very big opening question and I could go <laughs> like into different places. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, but there's, I think the, the curiosity is really good. I just think stay curious is the, and be informed by nature because I think nature is the most amazing architecture, um, architect. But I, I'm very blessed. The architects I work with tend to be really open-minded, playful, curious people. And sometimes business systems and processes can, can thwart that you know, that genuine openness. So, you know, it's like process, just get process sorted. Just get just get to understand what your personal process is, not, <clears throat> not like get process heavy. Just understand what your creative process is and honour it, you know, so that mm. if you need to go and play and, you know, as I know a lot of creative people like me love to travel and that feeds their creative soul. Um, so when we can't travel, we've got to find other ways of, going to other magical places to be informed so yeah no I don't I don't think that there's a a single message that I'd want to give all the architects I work with most of them are doing amazing like you doing amazing stuff and changing the world for the better like you know having a sense of purpose and vision beyond just the practice I think that that's probably a message I'd love to, you know. But then, but then there's also like, uh, but there's also the message of like the power of good advisors and good supporters and good, you know, like inputs at the right time because like behind all these successes, there's always a story or a common common thread or something. And, you know, people like Mon or Fullscap or Tin and Ed are all like wildly talented, but you still have to place that talent in the construct of, you know, today's society and, you know, the kind of systems that are already in place. And a lot of times that kills businesses or kills you know things even before they start so to be able to like then be able to support and help and navigate those um really quite complicated and difficult uh set of networks and relationships of you know like how do we keep doing great creative work get paid well for it pay our staff you know feed ourselves make room for our families mm-hmm. honor our relationships um you know it's all really really difficult stuff we could have lost a whole generation of you know of designers and kind of these great startup industries if if we didn't have you know these people like you or you know books and resources and all those kind of things that actually kind of become that support these people to get these positions that then create the visibility that this is possible for you know the next generation or the next group coming through so the thing then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and we don't get kind of crushed as you know creativity isn't important or that the arts aren't supported or that there isn't a career that is you know viable for someone looking to do these kind of things looking forward no that was actually blowing smoke that was saying like joe's (laughs) like kind of one of these seems to be one of these little you know, secret superpowers that everyone has just got a little hit that can just have a little hit of when they need to just help them keep doing, you know, <laughs> all the stuff that they need to do to be their best superhero selves. And I think it's almost, um, you know, the idea of intergenerational trauma and healing that. It's almost mm. like intergenerational um you know, creative trauma that we've all gone through and, and healing yeah. that and seeing that <laughs> or naming that as a real tangible thing and that we need to actively mm. heal that. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of one thing I, I want to really make a point of, if you can define what success and happiness are for you, and that and you can do that in business and in life. So you know, it's good to sort of think of them in terms of both. Um in in your own terms. So like what what matters to you most, and then master money, like actually um get to know how to be friends with money and be happy about making it and include it in the success sort of um, 
definition, I think they're really important things because without exception, everybody I've worked with has come in with very different money beliefs or different levels of financial literacy and all of them have been benefited from improving those things and mm. and putting a little bit more focus on it as as a way of doing great work and as a ticket to freedom not not money for greed or for money's sake it's really as an opportunity to share more with people to be more generous to you know to be able to afford to do those um, projects that don't have a huge budget but that really have meaning and purpose and so yeah that success and happiness are really important things to define for ourselves and then money helps it definitely helps yeah, for sure. And I think, and also like reframing uh, your business, I guess like for, for us, we've seen, um, you know, we have been really obsessed with a, a lot of those pro bono speculative, you know, projects. And we do need to actually um, allow for that as a, you know, as as a line item in our business um, plan to uh, facilitate us um, doing that work and being able to do it with um, the amount of heart that we want to bring to it. Um yeah, because it makes your spirit happy. Yeah, but also just to give yourself the space to breathe so you're not kind yeah. of constantly chasing, you know, that you can, as creatives, you need to, like, actually have that space to let those kind of moments of, um, you know, synthesis happen. And if you're constantly mm. kind of going, how am I going to meet rent this month or how am I yeah. going to pay, you know, staff, it's just it's bad for it's bad for your business literally because you're not producing great creative work because you're in a constant straight state of high, high stress. Yeah. Financial stress is really bad for health. It's just bad for mm. bad on so yeah. many levels. And I suppose that's more the point. We want to move away from financial stress. So do anything that will give you more financial ease. And and having enough is very personal. Whatever every person's enough is, it really mm. comes down to, you know, what sort of life you want. And so many people that I work with just have really simple, like really simple lives, simple good lives. They want to have a good wine, good food, good friends mm-hmm. and travel, you know. Yeah. So defining That's that funny. Enough, we, we just, uh, I think we just, maybe it was the end of last year, we just did a full of exactly that. We wrote a, a document which was like defining enough. I think I, yeah. I picked it up somewhere which was, you know, because otherwise you're constantly on this striving but you don't know what you're striving for and then yeah. you're like, you, you need to know where the end point is and so, we basically wrote a list of, so my wife and I wrote a list of what enough looks like and kind of mm. wrote that out, defined it, actually put monetary terms to it as well. Yep. And that mm. then set our target of going like, well, this is what enough is and this is what it means and this is where we are now yeah. and this is where we need to get to or this is what that sort of looks like. And it actually gets not too scary. Like, you know, it's not a big thing mm. or it's not this kind of nebulous, ill-defined thing that you would never arrive at. You're kind of like, I now can picture or... <laughs> that and now I can see they're already like 75, 85% of the way there um, or whatever yeah. the thing is. Um, you know, it then becomes really real and within touching distance rather than this kind of like, oh, if things were good one day, maybe I'd like to do this. It's like now it's in yeah. my head and I'm always thinking about it and I've got no doubt that I'm going to manifest these things that I've mm. defined as enough because it's here and it's like, it's yeah, as I said, it's like writing the things on the inside of my wardrobe. It's like it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned the writing the things inside your wardrobe because <laughs> I'm a big believer in post-it note goals and, like, you know, yeah. when people go, oh, do I have to have smart goals? At least you have to have something. You have to have something written on a piece of paper with maybe a time. That would be great. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, like nine cli- nine new clients within the next six months. That's that's good. That yeah. gives you a good feeling. But the um, <clears throat> that enough, I'm so glad to hear you did that because I've been banging on just like nonstop just saying to people, just define your enough. Like, you know, oh, it's that's, amazing. that's it's a really thing. good financial environment to mm. get into. Yeah. And, and um, the, the, when you said, um, you know, you know you're going to get there, some people I meet have already hit there enough but they haven't realised so they're still in stress. They yeah. haven't acknowledged that they're actually, they've got enough. For, yeah. for what they want. And so, you know, that's important because in hindsight you're going to save a lot of stress if you know the game plan of enough. Mm. Yeah. And over life, over different life phases, your enough figure may vary too because when you've got little kids, you know, having enough time with each other and then having enough money to put them through schools that you want to put them through or whatever, thinking about life in terms of different life phases is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, because it's, you know, chunking down a major project called life, which starts now and ends when you die, um, into the different, like, major life phases that you'll go through. And at different ages, you probably both know, at different ages, different things matter. So, you know, getting on top of how much you need for the things that matter in those different life phases is important. Yep. Yeah. How many how many times a year can you go to Attica for dinner? <laughs> it's like hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love no, I love that so much um, because it's just so true and I think people just don't spend the time to actually, you know, really do that and or they, they sort of say, Oh, you know, it's too trite or I'll or do it later or um, whatever, mm. but it actually, you know, you look at the people that are really successful, <clears throat> that are your, um, that you might sort of look at and say, hey, uh, you know, it would, I'd really love to achieve that level of success or, you know, blah, blah. But those people are the ones that have actually gone through um, and taken the time to think about these things really carefully. Well, I think, I think you can't do it yeah. unless you actually have done like some kind of internal knowing work as well. Like it'd yeah. be really hard to define enough if you don't actually know who you are or what, you know, what is excites you or what you want your future to look like or where, what direction yeah. you're heading. Cause otherwise then it just becomes, you know, the answer to it is more, you know, just more than now. Then it just becomes a never ending loop, you know? And so, yeah, for me, it was like really yeah. good just to be able to kind of go, look, I know what makes me happy. I know what I'd like in life. I know what that looks like. Here's what, and writing it all down. And that was, you know, that's it. And I love yeah. how, you know, we're, we're all <clears throat> essentially sort of saying that um, the impacts of kids have on, have on those decisions. Cause I remember when I had Cleo, it was almost this weird moment where I felt a bit goalless, like that I had, mm. um, you know, had my baby and, um, you know, the business was going really well and, you know, we had a house and like all the sort of like tick, 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 tick things. And then, yeah, it's sort of taken me a yeah. while now to kind of recalibrate post baby to be like, okay, well, maybe I need to like set some new goals and, um, get definitely being one of them. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, Oh, well done. Goal achieved. <laughs> Goal, yeah, yeah, exactly. Christmas. We always call them Christmas goals. So like at work, we always have like a personal and a professional goal that we go around the table at Christmas and we sort of tick off and it, it's a very, it's a very like elevated experience where everyone's like, boo, <laughs> like, everyone's, you know, really wasted at the Christmas party. And, um, but yeah, it is this really <laughs> like, it is this joke that we talk about all the time of like, um, you know, what are the Christmas goals? Like, what are, um, what are we trying to achieve as a team? And, you know, I think, you know, that it's one thing to, um, for people listening that are the directors, but it's also how does that filter into the whole team and how the team works and, um, you know, the, the collective goals, but then also the individual goals of everyone within a team. And so at the, with the check-ins that we have mm. each month with, you know, with, I do a, a meeting with every single um, team member and it is always like, okay, how, how, how are we tracking with the Christmas goals? Like how's the personal one and the professional one? And so I think um, always being cognizant that actually everyone, everyone has their own goals and aspirations and, um, and, and being mindful of that as a leader. That's really good, Mon. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that. Yeah, this is that's the benefit of podcasts. You get to hear like really good ideas. That's fantastic because there's yeah. two. It's two. Anybody can do do you know one personal, one professional, and also you get to celebrate together. Like when when you meet those goals and yeah, that that's awesome. That's so inspiring. I'm so glad you do it, and you do it with every staff member too. Yeah. And that you know just the to feel like as a staff member to be listened to and heard and to know that somebody is holding the space for you to achieve good things as well and mm. that goals, whether it be a post-it note inside the door or a Christmas goal, um, they matter and they actually they do they do work. <laughs> they do work, whatever form. And then the, the uh, last Christmas that we had, <clears throat> we were actually sitting on a table next to um, – uh, Sally Cap, who's the mayor of Melbourne, and everyone was yeah, like yeah. cheering and booing, and like it was this whole thing that was just hilarious. And she just thought that she, we were just a pack of like galars. I don't know. <laughs> you are. Yeah. It's li- a, galar, a galar is literally your logo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> I think true. I want to come yeah, to she, your she Christmas party. Wrong. Sounds like good fun. Yeah. <clears throat> Like yeah. keeping it really simple is important, you know, because because if I, it's like when I say to people I meditate, and you know people can make meditation really hard. You just go sit 
sit your bottom in the chair. That's where you, you just need to the discipline of um, an intention to sit and rest for a period of time. Mm. Five minutes. Five minutes is better than none. It's like 500% increase on what you have. So keeping things really simple, especially in times like this when people are in mental overwhelm, it's going one personal, one professional, and five minutes in the chair, really good. Sorry. Yeah, no. I, I think some people, I mean, I told the um, one of my students the other day that I meditate every day and she was just so surprised. Like I think that, you know, that there is this new kind of like shift towards it and she was like, oh, I'm going to start doing it. Like, you know, I think it's um, almost as it moves from being a bit woo to the – um, the main consciousness. To the science. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Do it, I do it every every lunchtime. I go sit in the meeting room for 15 minutes with headspace on and do a little 15-minute meditation oh, I on, I don't know, whether creativity or acceptance or whatever, just whatever it is. It's it's so good. And I come back completely zen out. I'm just like in the best mode and just, you know, everyone's yeah. just like, well, look, like, I, I seriously look like I've just taken a whole bunch of Xanax or something. I don't know. Exactly. Amazing. I think... Yeah. You're leading the way, both of you, and and the, and I'm so glad that this has ri- arrived on the podcast as well. The fact that meditation is like I'm going to be really brave here. I'm going to stick my neck out. It's the way. It's the but, cure. It's like but, one, but of, one of the best brave, antidotes. It's not really, but you know, it's not, Sorry, not being yeah. brave. It's not really being brave. Um, I John, I, I'm conscious of time. I've got one really big question to kind of like to throw on you before I leave it to Mon to try and wrap it up or do something else, but. I'm just interested because you are in touch with a lot of creatives and people in business. Um, if you're seeing any kind of like trends of, you know, like what's something that's coming up a lot um, with people, you know, in terms of maybe how they're approaching business or problems they're seeing and solving or the way that they're, you know, coming to bring themselves to these spaces or I don't know, is there, is there something that you're seeing that is quite consistent that is like new to, if you've been, if you've been doing this for this long, like what's new to the last, and you don't have to say the word COVID or pandemic, but just, you know, like in the last four or five years, like what's changed and what, you know, what are the, what are the successful people doing? Like what's, how do you, how do you get yourself ready to be a successful business in the future? They, they're doing the work on themselves. That's the lovely trend. Um, you know, the, there's not, um, nearly as much need to be formal about business anymore because <clears throat> people are actually seeking out the life designing and and wanting to have a talk about themselves and learn more about how to be better communicators, better leaders, better humans. So that's definitely a shift that's occurred. Um, and innovation, I think that people are embracing that we can we can actually do things differently and and the last 18 months has proven that we can trust our our people to work at home so you know that's going to create a global shift in workplaces um and how people live their lives we've realized that productivity is dramatically impacted by how by giving people choice about how and flexibility about their work and so there've been themes in the conversations that I've had for the last 5 years how to how can I have more flexibility? Can I actually dare to design my life around a three-day work week and all those sorts of things? And because of the shifts around um, working in the last two years, especially and with the pandemic, those conversations are now essential. But And so people are having them more um, optimistically because it's been proven that we can we can get workplaces to change dramatically, radically. Um, so they're, they're definitely some themes that have occurred. Um, innovation's been great because, like, I've got clients who have, you know, um, in Sydney, uh, Right Angle Studio, they've got, a, they've got a cinema, you know, for goodness sake, and that's mm. been closed. But, the, but they pivoted and they, you know, their cocktail bar now does bottled cocktails and they, you know, distribute them. So people have been forced to think really creatively about how to sustain uh, business and to be, you know, um, inspiring in how they've done it. I suppose, you know, cocktails being delivered isn't a great example, but that's that core business. You know, it's a part of how do we stay, how do we survive in business? And people have had to ask questions like that in the last couple of years so and they're the conversations I love having so how, how do you not just survive but thrive how do we make enough not just survival but survival plus you know joy and and amazing things I hope that answered that question that's a beautiful Great. answer Joe. <laughs> okay well thank you so much it was it was such a pleasure thank you uh, it's been my pleasure anytime thank you Joe.
And that's a wrap. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it. Wawawa have been called the Masters of Delight. To check out their colourful work, please visit wawawa.com.au and follow on Instagram at wawawaark. And Nick Brunson's responsive, inclusive and emotive projects can be seen at nickbrunson.com or on Instagram at the same name. Our intro and outro music is I'm Blessed from The Manifestation by Chris and Teeb. Until next time, Gert, signing off. Too blessed to be stressed. Put your faith to the test.